0: Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Hello, and welcome back to Vice and Easy. Thank you again, as always, for joining me. Now, I do apologize. This is coming out late. And I have gone through a lot in the past month of my life. And I do want to share a little bit with that, about that with you guys. So if you don't want to hear it, just skip ahead a little bit. But I want to thank you first and foremost. I Really am sorry for being delayed, and it's not the first time it's happened. I'm tired of having excuses. Basically, I will recommend this to you. Instead of making excuses, I will give you advice. Take some time off from traveling before going back to work. I completely destroyed my sleep schedule getting back to work. Cause I was like so worried. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, cool, that extra day would not have really been a problem. If I just taken one day after coming back to like readjust my sleep schedule, even two days, like it's worth it. Like I just can't snap back and like rearrange your entire sleep schedule and rearrange your complete circadian rhythm. Also what I noticed is that I would wake up super hungry. And then try to eat, then try to go to bed. And then, yeah, so I've just been like in a weird limbo zombie phase this whole week of being too worried about exerting all my energy before I had to go to work so I wouldn't really do anything and then being too tired to want to do anything. So I'm trying to shake out of that. And I do apologize. I don't want you to expect late content. Like I am trying my best to deliver on time. And I have a lot of fun ideas for the podcast. And I now, especially with this episode, I have a lot of vice tea specials coming up. We only have a few more episodes left of this season. So during the break, I'm gonna try to have some detailed vice tea. Because I was like trying to go through the whole Don Johnson and Melly Griffith timeline. I'm like, that is too much for like a two second, I mean sort of like a 30 second to a minute vice tea segment like that deserves like a three-parter because just her and antonio banderas is an episode of itself and i know it has nothing to do with miami vice. <laughs> but i am just as you know i live for messy gossip so once again i want to thank you all and definitely take time when you go on vacation we need to be a little bit kinder to ourselves and yeah i am uh a little sad to leave the european lifestyle behind and i am really yearning to get back to that and i am all about work and i'm all about you know improving my lot in life and succeeding but yeah like there's something to be said for just not having to be so go 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 all the time so who knows maybe i'll have like a little halfway point where i can just work like Couple of days a week, or have like a full time job, and then just make for pays and spend a cope all day, and just like kind of have that as a life balance. Ah. So, I do have some fun things for the podcast. Number one, I want to improve editing, I want to get back to doing more fun things with socials. I am looking at revisiting some old episodes, because especially as the later seasons come into play. I think it's going to be hard for us to follow along. So I'm trying to think of ways to sprinkle it in to really make Vice and Easy as entertaining as it could be. So definitely keep your ears and eyes posted. I definitely came out of my vacation looking to improve a lot of things in life and to be more creative. And so the podcast definitely is tantamount to that. Now, this is a very exciting episode with a great beauty, with some ex-wife drama, and with some interesting accessories. We are covering this week, season three, episode 20 of Miami Vice, entitled By Hooker, By Crook. Guest starring Don Johnson's ex-wife and future wife... (laughs) They got married twice. Future wife. But at this time in 1987, they were not involved. He had broken up with Patty Darbinville. He had yet to be involved with... Uh, I guess he was kind of getting there. He was kind of almost on his Barbara Streisand journey. And at this time, she had broken up with Stephen Bauer, a.k.a. Manny and Scarface, father of her first baby. And they don't reunite until... 1989, and when I was looking over Melanie Griffith's timeline, there was a lot of a uh, shotgun. I don't want to say shotgun weddings, but serendipitously timed weddings. Let's put it that way. But we will all get into that into later on. I'll give you a little bit of vice tea, but then obviously I'll save the big one for like a big analysis and breakdown. Later on with its own Vice T special. But let's get to the beautiful late Denise Matthews, aka Vanity. And I also want to shout out Evelyn, who emailed me about this episode and said she was really looking forward to it. So hi, Evelyn. Thank you for listening. I hope I'm going to do this episode justice because we are going to get right into it. And I am going to get all my promotional spiel out of the way now. Go to the gallery because Just seeing Denise Matthews, a.k.a. Vanity, and that beautiful face, worth it. I was just entranced by her this entire episode, and you can definitely tell why she had the legacy she did with that beautiful face and body. Now let's get back to the episode. By Hooker, by Crook. Per IMDb, a call girl witnesses two henchmen take her client and ultimately murder him, causing her to go into hiding, confiding, and staying with a friend. A woman Crockett falls for big time. Unknown to him, there is far more to her than he knows. Now, we open up on one of my favorite places in the world a casino. Now, I made a gift of this because it looks as if it is a single, I don't want to say single zero, just be like one double zero roulette wheel. I can only see one green space. Now in Las Vegas, (laughs) sorry, as I am tantamount expert on this. So in Las Vegas, you'll see a lot of casinos that have really cheap roulette, but it's triple zero. So there's zero, double zero, and triple zero. Those all decrease your odds of landing on red or black. Single zero roulette Not available anywhere in Las Vegas. And as I've heard, nowhere in North America. The only place you can find, I do not know if you have better information, please let me know. The only place that you can find single zero roulette wheels, Monaco. Because again, once you keep adding in more green spaces, you take away people's chances of winning red or black. It becomes much more difficult. So that's why, again, with Gambling, the house always wins, but they're basically just ensuring that the house will continue to win because a lot of people, red or black, they're 50-50 bets. But once you start playing in with three zeros opposed to one, then the odds are more in the casino's favor. So FYI, keep an eye out for that. If you're going to play roulette in Las Vegas, don't go to one of the super low cost ones. It's hard because... I understand <laughs> it does suck to lose like a hundred dollars in a round of roulette. Not great, but there are other things. You know, what's funny too, last time I went to Las Vegas, I was playing casino war where it is literally just war. Like basically the dealer hands you a card and the dealer deals himself a card, Whichever one's is higher wins. And it's an easy way to make your money back. I remember I learned this in college and it's only at one casino in Las Vegas, the Cosmopolitan. I could not find it anywhere else. And I thought that was very funny because I'm like, oh, yeah, like that's the whole point is that they want to make money. But I was like, just give us one game where like we can feel at least we won something back. But I digress. But I am loving this setup because it seems to be this beautiful yacht party where they have hosted this it doesn't look like it's real gambling, but it looks like it's fun enough. Kind of like one of those fake casinos, but it looks really high tech. Like, I've seen some fake casino setups at parties or like the party casinos and they're like the tables are pretty dirty and grimy. Like this looks top notch. The fact that they have a craps table is very impressive. So I am loving this and I'm loving all the sequin dresses at this party. Now you can also see the beautiful young vanity aka denise matthews blowing on the dice with her arms around some older gentleman i don't say older like he doesn't even look that much older but like kind of receding hairline now crockett and Tubbs are also at this party Tubbs is standing by the craps table while crockett is talking to a woman and as they're making some genial small talk She's adorned in this beautiful silver dress and in the background, one of the the woman on the left-hand side of her, sorry, I guess the right-hand side of her, is wearing this beautiful white dress with a feather boa and I'm just like, oh, this party is so over the top. I love it. But I really love the one-liners that she has and that Tubbs has like 10 seconds later.
1: Isn't it tribal? Everyone trying not to step on the wrong toes in a mating dance for the (laughs) overprivileged. (laughs)
0: <laughs> now if you didn't recognize that higher pitch voice that is of course Melon Griffith at this time Don Johnson's ex-wife and then soon to be re-wife and mother of his child Dakota now I think that's just like a very cute because she just sounds like she's like above this all but then when he kind of asks her what she's doing at the party she says to make business contacts keep that in mind now just as they're kind of like flirting a little bit more Tubbs comes into crash. Now, of course, they're keeping an eye on the guy that's playing craps, hence why Tubbs is by the craps table. As he leaves, Tubbs needs to get away to get Burnett to leave the party. This might be one of my favorite Tubbs one-liners. Um, Christine von Marburg, this is my
2: partner, Ricardo Cooper, who promises to improve his timing. <laughs> Pleasure. Bye. Money's not made lying in the shade.
0: Money's not made lying in the shade. Very true. Words of wisdom with tubs. Now, as Crockett's about to bid adieu to Christine, he says that he'll call her. She says that her number is unlisted. And surprising to her, because you can tell by her reaction, like he just kind of brushes it off. Of course, he can't actively say like, oh, that's no problem for me because I work in law enforcement. <laughs> but you'll see later on this does come up later on the episode now before we get to following our craps player let's this song is very interesting because it's called 30,000 Thousand feet i'm going to play you a fl- quick clip and then you'll laugh at this in about 30 seconds Okay, so the song's about, like, feeling unsafe, way up in the air, 30,000 feet. Interesting. So we are tailing our gentleman and our beautiful vanity to the hotel. Now, first off, he pulls up in a Mercedes stretch limousine. And then, so it obviously says, like, 10,000 SEL Mercedes insignia, the um symbol. And then it says ABC number one. And I'm like... That might just be there because it's made for filming, but I thought that was very funny. Now, they're definitely tipsy going back to wherever it is, this high-rise building. And then, as they get closer, he walks in the door. Two goons grab and pull him in. It's kind of like a comic. Then, we see our poor girl, Vanity, run scared for her life As the two goons, who are actually both involved in wrestling, which I found this out as I was doing some research, which makes a lot of sense. Throw him off the balcony. He lands and his mangled body ends up like three feet away from Crockett and Tubbs' car. Why these goons didn't think to maybe move down a little bit to not draw as much attention because Crockett and Tubbs are clearly waiting by the front door. They do not give an F. Now, that's very funny that the song before was 30,000 feet. He was worried about something up in the air. I was like, oh, maybe it should have been like 300 feet. Uh, I don't know how high that is. But uh, yeah, they go check on the body. Definitely dead. And (laughs) they mention the bluebird of happiness, which I also had to look up because I've definitely heard this reference before. I remember in The Simpsons they referenced the bluebird of unhappiness. What's the bluebird of happiness? And it turns out that it's kind of like a figure like passed down in lore all the way from prehistoric china to native americans and that it was a popular song in like 1934 1940 ish so and it's kind of like been brought up in pop culture but yeah that definitely wasn't a happy delivery like that's not a bluebird of happiness that is a man being tossed to his death also it is so gnarly they make the body look really mangled and like obviously not as mangled as it would be in real life but like oh that's pretty gross you can see the blood coming out of his mouth <sighs> after the intro we see our beautiful girl who again witnessed this all luckily she was able to get away safe she's going to what i'm assuming is her apartment clearing everything out there's a adorable stuffed teddy bear with sunglasses and leaving a newspaper on bed. She also looks amazing. She's wearing like a yellow and white striped bandeau bra and leggings, looking like a million bucks, very minimal makeup, but so gorgeous. So she is on the run. I do not blame her one bit. We also see this episode is directed by none other than Don Johnson, and we are getting a Another guest star. Not just Marilyn Griffith, not just Vandy, but George Takai. We'll get to him in just a minute because we are actually back at the precinct trying to figure out what happened, what's going on. They want to get a little bit more info as to why this guy ended up being tossed off a balcony as they were tailing him they want to go pay a visit to the woman who hosted the party who owns the yacht. She could not be bothered with this type of troglodyte behavior in this next clip.
1: You see, this type of thing just doesn't happen in our circle. We're more likely to get robbed. Give me your money. <laughs>
3: Hand over
0: those municipal bonds. Oh my god, that's so funny. That smooth jazz on you playing it's just the background so is Lovato by Lower Bill Sorgman. Now, let's go from one part of high society to the other. So we see this beautiful woman who hosts the party on the yacht. She doesn't really have much information on what could have happened with Symington, Chucky Symington, the guy who got thrown off the ledge. But She does know a little bit about the woman he was with. Her name is Ali. Yes, like Muhammad Ali. And Gina and Trudy are going to make that joke later. And she's able to get them the business card of the boudoir photographer who recently took this beautiful model's picture. She says that she wants to possibly have Simone boudoir photos of herself taken, now, Crockett Tubbs, stick one look at the card. Seems like they know who they're dealing with. So let's go over from one side of fancy to the other side of fancy. And again, like she said, murder is just so lower class. Well, is it? Usually order people to murder on your behalf. So two sides of the coin because we as we see with this next setup, wealth does pay. Now let's in- get introduced to our guest star, George Takai.
3: Now his death looks like what it was. Murder. And Ali is still wandering around out there <laughs> with a kid. Uh, it just tale. reminds
0: me of Trillify Boys. It. I forget. It's Isn't one of the later seasons. I oh. want to say like season five or six.
3: like, are you yeah, so Jill is awesome used this used to jail that you think of it as some sort of <laughs> just, vacation.
0: Like, are mm? you so serious? to jail that it's a vacation? Oh, my God. Now let's check in with our boudoir photographer. Now... First things first, I noticed Everglades Hotel and I was like, interesting. We're nowhere near the Everglades, but I actually looked it up. It was at the time the largest hotel in Miami. I believe it was 25 floors, 26 floors. Now it's a completely different building, but I think that's so super cool that they were able to get this shot with something super iconic in the background, which we had never known about. Now let's look at the sign first things first most things in french like soir evening noir black n-o-i-r we have boudoir photography i dot de la moreno with a great character caricature drawing of izzy i must say boudoir is spelled b-o-u-d-i-o-r like dior And it's on two different signs. And like the first sign they see, it's London, Paris, Miami, San Juan, Los Angeles, Uh, Milan, like trying to make it one of those like international businesses. We got a great shot of Izzy through the people, and then we get another shot back of Crocodile and Tubbs. And there's just this great scene of Crocodile just being like, come on, like moving his finger, like open up. Um, <laughs> that they're defecating on the first amendment which again is not what that means so he does open up as there's a girl there's a woman posing inside he gets her to hide Crockett and Tubbs come in they obviously want info on ali izzy's a little bit hesitant to give it up but uh Crocket and Tubbs know how to work it in this next clip
3: Uh, like a lawyer and a priest when I'm immoralizing women. Yeah, and made women. some
0: reference when they asked him why he <laughs> was wearing mouths. a phrase. And it, like, it kind of just like went a over my head. And he's able uh-huh. to get this
2: poor girl who's been locked in a uh, The monastery you're going to go back to Krakashad's doesn't believe kinda, like, in chastity. Because Croc just kind of like barged
0: in on her boudoir. abstinence. Boudoir. 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 <laughs> photo shoots. So, yeah, this poor girl looking amazing in like a really beautiful amazing body and then her bikini is like a baby blue with leopard print amazing so now they have the address for ali's house they go check it out now this i posted this beautiful 80s apartment on instagram and then someone else had posted it with like other 80s apartments like this is what i thought i'd live at a 25 i'm like yeah like <laughs> Uh it's just like it's constantly like roommates and I did live alone for like 8 months. Yeah, I lived alone for 8 months during COVID cuz someone needed someone to sublet their place. So I did live alone for once in my life. And I guess in co- no, in college I was in a dorm, but it was like a single room dorm like I didn't have a roommate. Um i guess that'd be kind of close but yeah like it's very very funny how like we just assume that these apartments are just so within our reach and it's like no they're pretty hard to come by i know some people you can sometimes in like smaller market cities you might be able to find like a luxury apartment for like 2500 that looks kind of similar to this and you know if you're dual income you can make it happen but yeah it's just wild that like This is what I thought we'd live in. But it's a beautiful apartment. I really like the mirrored wall. And again, they don't really find anything. They can definitely tell that she has left town. So they know that she is either scared or involved. And they find the newspaper on her bed. I'm trying to think if the newspaper was there when she was grabbing her stuff or if she got the newspaper and like left on the bed as like a final sign or even worse someone came into her apartment and left the newspaper there with the goons that I might have missed on rewatch now before they went to go see the lady who owns the yacht Crockett was able to get Christine's unlisted number naturally from the directory but you know you can't really tell people why you could get their unlisted number but they asked to go to TS he her to go out to dinner. It's a super cute spot. They're still getting to know each other. You can see that they both have their walls up. She recently mentions that she recently got out of a relationship. And she is tired of all the questions he's asking her. And she wants to ask him some questions in this next
3: clip.
1: Your phone numbers. Mine, for example. Oh, a little of this, a little of that. Let me guess. You're a jewel thingy. <laughs> or maybe a traveling evangelist. Or maybe a gigolo.
2: <laughs> None of the above. How about you?
1: I have a company called CVM Enterprises, and its existence makes me an entrepreneur. Meaning? Do a little of this.
2: And a little that. of that. Uh-huh. I got it.
0: I like the gigolo guess, but I'm trying to think of how a gigolo could get unlisted phone numbers, probably by having a friend in the police department or something like someone in law enforcement. I also like how she says, I have a business that makes me an entrepreneur. Like the business's existence is what makes her an entrepreneur as opposed to her starting the business. So that's a very interesting way to word it. Now, at the end of their date, he walks her back to her place. Number one, Melanie Griffith is taller than I thought. I always thought she was short like i know obviously don johnson's not that tall but like you could tell i know she's wearing heels but like she's got a few inches on her in this on him in this scene and then you can see her reposition she kind of like gets down a little to be on his level very interesting again he directed this episode but he's in the scene also this is super ignorant so i am very curious when you're directing yourself and also acting Is your assistant director the one, but like, yes, you tell them how you want the scene to look and they direct it. I always wondered that. I would like to know if you have that insight, please let me know. I know I'm the one living in Los Angeles, but I'm not the one who has that kind of expertise. So very interested in that. Well, it turns out that she's not giving it up right away. They have a very kind of chaste, sweet kiss. He's not going inside. She goes in for the night. She positions herself. And this is what I made the cover art for the episode for YouTube to be. Where she's just sitting on this beautiful couch, just staring out in this beautiful apartment. And she, there's someone in the reflection. It's Allie. She's freaking out. She's crying. She asks, again, she phrases this very differently. She says, Do I have the clip? Let me see if I have the clip.
1: Chucky. What? They killed Chucky. Oh God. I I got away. Oh God. I'm so scared.
0: Interesting. I wonder what Christine's little bit of this, little bit of that business is that the CVM enterprise, the existence of which makes me an entrepreneur. Very interesting way to phrase it. I wonder what you do for a living, perhaps assisting in the world's oldest profession. Spoiler alert. Now let's go back to the precinct where this is my favorite part of dating is like when you just can't, you're just so happy to debrief and tell your friends and they're so excited for you. Oh, oh, this is the best part. However, Tubbs being Tubbs, he is on fire this episode. He doesn't say that much, but he has the best lines. Brings Crockett a little bit back to reality.
2: Chick does for a living. She makes mucho dinero. I can tell you that. It's fine. Wonderful. But what's Miss Make Plenty of Bucks going to say when you tell her you're a cop?
0: Hmm. Message. Right? Keep that in mind. All right. So let's get back. Different kind of debriefs. Not like the gossipy debriefs you tell your friends when you're falling in love, but the work debriefs. Now, Gina and Trudy here. Gina and Trudy. Truda. Gina and Trudy both looking like a million bucks a scene. Again, Gina is also just acting with her eyes this entire episode. This is the way that she looks at Sonny with kind of like care. She is genuinely caring about him, but it's also like, haha, that's what you get. I am not mature enough to have the other side of that equation, (laughs) but they also notice her name. Now, remember that Christine called her Ali, but this is how everybody else knows her.
2: Gina, Trudy, I want you to dig up as much as you can on Ali Ferrand, F-E-R-R-A-N-D. She's a model.
1: Ali? As in Muhammad Ali? What else? I like her already.
0: Speaking of fighting, Izzy is visited by the goons. This is the aftermath of the boudoir photo shoot studio. Izzy's looking super forlorn. I almost peed myself laughing at his delivery of this line in this scene.
2: <laughs> How many times do I have to tell you? I photographed beautiful women, not meatballs. Those mama's.
0: Just the meatballs kills me. Now, Crockett and Tubbs, you know, they're kind of sympathetic, but hmm, they're putting two together. Why would these guys be after Izzy? Interesting. Oh, Izzy forgot to tell Crockett and Tubbs that Ali Ferrand, who everybody's looking for, is a hooker. When pressed as to why he didn't divulge this information to Crockett and Temps the first time, Izzy responds that they didn't ask. <laughs> oh, Izzy, I love it. So they get a little bit more information. Izzy tells him that she works for an agency, Caprice, that she wasn't freelance. So Crockett Sci-Tech, wow, calls Switech and asks for Gina and Trudy to look into the agency. Back at Christine, aka Melanie Griffith's apartment. Christine and Ali are actually having kind of a sweet conversation. They're both in silk pajamas, Melanie Griffith looking great in her white silk pajamas. Basically, in a polite way, saying, There's a saying that fish and house guests go bad after three days. Mm -hmm. This is always something that I've been very cognizant of, but this is kind of like a very cute conversation. It's a nice way to say, like, it's time for you to go. I think I better get out of town for a while.
1: You sure? Yeah. God, yeah. Well, you can always come back here. Really? (laughs) Well, if I do, I'll certainly give you plenty of warning.
0: Speaking of notice, she mentions that she was, like, thinking about what would happen if she, if Christine had come in with Crockett. Like, where? Because she was in, it looks like Christine's bedroom, freaking out. So, yeah, just like, ah, do I just go hide in the closet? So, that seems sweet. Like, there's a very sweet, warm rapport between these two, well, that you're gathering from this scene. And then we see... They're kind of trying to make Switech and this magic thing happen. I was like, wow, Switech. you're just even getting like sadder B-plots after the death of Zito. So he's stationed outside of Ali's building. He uh, Sorry, Ali's building to keep an eye for her. But we see the beauty getting ready. We see her put in the most horrendous wig that does nothing for her features. So I guess she's going back to her place in a wig. I think that if I... Thought my life was at risk and I had been what out of my apartment for one day. I would either get someone else to mail me my stuff or not put them at risk either and just like legit be gone for a couple weeks and then have someone go get it. Cause unfortunately, at this point, now Christina has a little bit more privacy, so she's taken crack at home to get it on. As we're seeing it juxtaposed with Ali getting surprised by the goons in her apartment. And once again, they've brought back that green light that I really loved and lend me an ear. And unfortunately, it's a pretty gruesome way that they gag her and kill her. But it does make for some very interesting shots with the juxtaposition. Oh, man, I was going to play you a clip because there's a Steve Winwood track called Split Decisions. I believe it's Split Decisions. One second. It is... Sorry, split decision by Stephen Winwood is playing in the back while Crockett and Christine are getting it all and while Allie's being strangled and killed in her own apartment. However, I digress. I was able to get a gif of it. Now, when Crockett and Tubbs the next morning go to pay Caprice Management a visit, they look it up in the system in the building. Caprice is located on the same floor as CVM Enterprises. Tubbs makes a little quip like, oh, I wonder if Christine knows who her neighbors are. Interesting. Now, this made me crack up so much because they're going again to this call adult call center or adult, adult chat call center. There's a woman in curlers, and it's like the the fun curlers, like they're the, how to describe it, not like the hot rollers, they're like the cold ones that you can ply around. I don't have them anymore because my hair is too short, but I was like, oh, it's so funny. She's taking, she's having these sexy conversations with men. And this is the dialogue, you're hearing the views, I love it. I love it. Oh, don't lie to me i'll so tell you James. anything you want to hear just Punished give me your credit card first oh. <laughs> just straight up being like well give me your credit card information we'll get that for yadi love it now when crockett Tubbs walk in the receptionist who you might recognize from season one episode seven when i jack her name was barbara Caro. she was actually crockett's ex-girlfriend in that episode she was the one with the gambling problem who attended her wedding and the husband was much less attractive than obviously very few men are as attractive as john Don johnson was in 1985 but like damn i don't know if i'd play my future husband like that but sort of digress but she is quite smart and very quick to respond in this role when Crockett comes in she says sorry we don't take uh Requests we do out calls only then when they press a little bit more she's very confident that they are a legitimate business and that they're happy to help the police with whatever they can for the
2: police or anything being a strictly legitimate small business it's our pleasure to cooperate with the man well that's good we got a little bad news for you though one of your girls got herself killed last night i'll leave for Rond. She was always screwing something up. How about a list of uh, some of those somethings or someone she might have been involved with in the past week or so? It's in the computer somewhere. Well, I sure hope you're computer friendly. I'm just friendly. How about your boss? Maybe he could help us. Can't say. Who is your boss? I can't say that either. That's it. Okay, I'll tell you what you do. You tell your boss to get us that information and phone it in to this number. Tell him not to make me get a warrant now.
0: Ooh, no escort agency, no matter how legitimate, ever wants a warrant up in their business. So as soon as Crockett and Tubbs leaves, she makes a call. Now, where Crockett and Tubbs going? You may ask. Well, remember how Christine is. Conveniently located on the same floor as the Caprice Escort Agency. So when Crockett goes to visit Christine, the receptionist there asks if Crockett has an appointment. He says, no, but tell her that Sunny Burnett's here. And it's at that time, Christine just happens to walk out of her office looking a little forlorn. So what could it be? She says that someone else was able to snag the land that they wanted to develop condos on. Interesting. And as they're chit-chatting, Crockett says that he wants to see her tonight. He wants to take her to dinner. She kind of like, pl- like plays it down. He says that no matter what, he's going to show up with a pizza and a bottle of champagne because guess what? Tubbs is reading the newspaper and notices that Christine has been picked to be one- of the top businesswomen of Miami. She plays it off and, you know, just says, oh, the Miami Chamber of Commerce can be easily swayed. Interesting. Then they go back to her place and they have some actually very cute pillow talk. And this is the scene we find out what Crockett's Zodiac sign is.
1: For your birthday.
0: (laughs) You don't even know when my birthday
1: is. You see, that's another secret that are keeping from me.
0: <laughs> July 29th. Are hey, you satisfied? Yes, Crockett is definitely Leo. And I've definitely mentioned this on this podcast before because I knew this episode um, divulged his birthday. And I think I had found it in some message board as a teenager, a young adult. Um, I always wanted to do like the birth chart of Philip Michael Thomas and Don Johnson, but I don't think anybody else would care about that except for me. But if you do, please let me know because I love this kind of stuff. Now, the Pillow Talk is very sweet. You can definitely tell that they still have that real connection in real life. A little bit of gossip again. If you miss the Barbara Streisand, Patty Darbinville, Vice D Special, go listen to it because we're gonna. Try to cover as much of Don Johnson's love life as possible. Uh, the one I won't mention is the Jody Leno Keep one because it's just like really icky for many reasons. The age, the power of authority, yeah, all that. But um there was seems to be a little bit of overlap with when Don Johnson and Melanie Griffith reunited and got pregnant with Dakota at the tail end of his relationship with Barbara Streisand. Interesting. And then, yeah, Melanie Griffith has a lot of overlap pregnancies, uh, like with Antonio Banderas and leaving Don Johnson for Antonio Banderas, which is like number one, like good for you, girl. Can't really. If you were to be left for anybody, would it not be Antonio Banderas? Like just be like, yeah, you know what? I totally understand. I would love to have dinner with you all. Like, please invite me over. But it's cute. So as the end of their pillow talk, she's asking him to watch the interview on TV. So the next scene, Crockett is watching at OCB and he has wheeled in the TV. Remember back in the day you could wheel in the TV, but you had to do it on the display. So it was like that metal rack you had to bring in along with the TV. He's watching along with George Takai's character, the interview starts by mentioning her Silver Spoon background, and this scene made my jaw drop because I'm like, did they predict Heidi Fleiss? Heidi Fleiss came from very similar means. And then let's listen to a little bit more of this interview because it goes south real quick. And when Crockett is watching, Trudy barges in. And again, this is live TV, so it's like you pause it. And Crockett's like, no, 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 stop, stop, She has something to tell him, but he kind of poo poos her away so we can watch this interview which i think is very sweet and it shows how dedicated it is to her because especially in the beginning of the relationship you notice when people really care about you or they don't care about you at all and i was like wow i had so many like failed quasi starter relationships and to see crockett watch tv to watch her interview which is like so sweet i was like oh That is exactly what you want at the beginning of a relationship. But let's get to the interview that's going south right before our eyes. Let's check in on the car crash, shall we?
3: She's lovely. (laughs) Obviously. And I think we're going to find out that she's also rather intriguing. Comfortable?
1: Yes, it's too nice of a day not
3: to be. You know, I venture to say you've been comfortable all your life. Why is that? Well, your late father, Klaus von Marburg, heir to millions in German munitions, and of course your mother... The former Elizabeth Babbitt, with a pedigree that traces all the way back to the Pilgrims. And as for you, after one of the decade's no, most sh- sh- lavish no, 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 debutante parties, Trudy, not now. got Graduated this. with honors in history, and that's why I was frankly flabbergasted at the report from our research people on a month-long investigation into your background. Why is that? Well, a goodly portion of your annual high six-figure salary is derived from ladies of the night.
1: I don't know
3: what you're talking about. Well, the telephone company may call it the Caprice Escort Service, which certainly sounds respectable. But you're running a string of prostitutes. Miss Von Marburg, you're a madam.
0: Oh man, Crockett is watching this all unfold on camera. Furthermore, if you. Are that high up? Okay, so this is what a lot of people say about housewives. Like, why would you go on TV when you have all these skeletons in your closet, when you're broke, when you're committing tax fraud? Like, what level of dissonance does it take to want to put that life that you don't really have on TV? And it's, like, just ego, narcissism. And, like, it has to be with this. Like, why would you let people research into your life. And she explains this later on at the end. So I'm definitely going to try to make to connect back to this point. And at OCB, like Crockett is really distraught at this news. And Trudy says, like, that's what I was trying to tell you. And Uh, basically she explains how they were able to deduce that information. They were able to kind of check to see the ownership. I actually did this in my other life as a career where you look into the ownership structure and you keep going up and up and up and up, researching who's on the board, researching, you know, when it was sold, who created it, and you can find out when people are laundering money. Whoo. Tubbs tries to console Crockett. But Crockett says something really sad in this next clip.
2: First a junkie, now a hooker. I think I've been in the business too long. I'm starting to fall for the players.
0: Ooh, and you do feel for him because, again, he's going after... What he thinks are, okay, how do I explain this? He's dating people who have secrets and they're not out to intentionally hurt him. But by not doing that, they are hurting him. They're putting his job at the line. Teresa almost got them killed. Like, I just feel so bad for him. And you can tell that Gina... Just is looking at him really wistfully, and she's looking amazing in this like dark Kelly jade green that she's wearing. But again, I was like, Oh, Sonny, you had your chance. You had a woman right there, and you messed it up because you were still rebounding from your wife. Oh, man. This is, I don't know why I was like so emotionally invested in this episode, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. There's just like a lot of emotions that are opening up for me. Oh, man. So we asked Tubbs to get the phone records pulled for Christine and Symington. And another interesting note when I was talking about ownership is that Kenneth Tagaru, George Takai, is at the top of this chain. So now we're opening up a whole new, different can of worms, Crockett goes to see Christine for questioning because she just got booked and brought in from downtown. She asks her lawyer to leave, and he does, and they're able to really kind of get to the bottom and kind of deduce whether or not it was real, and it's kind of bittersweet in this next clip.
2: I never had a clue.
1: I tricked you, you tricked me. I mean...
0: Pardon the pun. (laughs) Okay, that's clever.
2: I got my reasons. What are yours?
1: First, it was the excitement. Private joke on my oh-so-respectable family. (sighs) Then it became a job. (laughs) And the money was just too good to be true. And it was mine. But Sunny, I never did any hooking.
0: Oh, uh, that actually kind of th- makes her sound worse. It's one thing if... I don't really know, like... If you had been in the business of sex work and then you're like, okay, I want to help do this ethically. I want to create a business that's safe. But it's like, no, you're just exploiting people straight up and you're doing it to get a thrill because you had all this money in the world and you wanted money that was yours. Yeah, I understand the feeling of wanting money that is yours, but you could also do a million other jobs. This is very Heidi Fleiss. This is so funny, but it's also don't want to compare this to real estate. Don't at me. But when you are working in a field that requires wealthy connections, it helps to have been born into those wealthy connections. You know, it's easier to start with those wealthy connections than it is just to start from the bottom to start a new city. And so maybe that has something to do with it. But she then explains a little bit more about Tagaru after Sunny presses her. It's not going to be what Sunny wants to hear.
2: Tell me about Kenneth Togaru.
1: He was a client who became a friend. A very good friend. He was my mentor in the corporate world. I owed him.
2: Enough to take a murder rap for him?
1: Business is business. I don't want to go to jail.
2: That's good. So you'll set up a meeting between Burnett and his Bahamian banker friend, Mr. Cooper.
0: Interesting. So basically, Crockett phrases this as the DA is going to go after her if they can't implicate Tagaru. And they also talk about Symington. Why why did Symington end up smashed into a million pieces on the ground. She basically says that Symington was money laundering, but he was skimming some from the top. And then fortunately, Ali was just an innocent bystander. And again, I really do want to know whether or not she tipped off the goons that Ali was going back to her apartment. I'd like to think not, but I kind of think too, but she gives Croc a little warning with Tagaru.
1: Sonny, you don't know what you're asking. He was in
0: love with me. It could get rough. also part of this, she has to wear a wire, and when she basically asks Crockett if he doesn't trust her, he basically kind of like puts it back and says like No, I don't trust him," meaning Tagaru. Who? Well, so she is going to make her way over to her old dear friend's place. Um, I'm really enjoying all the aquariums. However. Deep in my gut, I know that these fish are not long for this world. Oh, man. So they start having this conversation. This is when she brings up that she needs money to leave the country and that she would like to involve Burnett and Cooper in the deal as a way for her to, you know, make some money to repay basically what she's going to be borrowing from Tagaru. Here's the conversation.
3: And you need me to subsidize that journey.
1: Just until my assets thaw. I've found someone to take Symington's place. Who? He's a friend. His name is Burnett. Friend? Acquaintance. He has a banker, a Mr. Cooper. Burnett says he's a genius at laundering money.
3: I've had enough of bankers. They're so smarmy.
0: Oh, man, Takaya is a national treasure. Like, the delivery on that line just kills me. But basically, she says that she wants to involve Crockett and Tubbs, sorry, Burnett and Cooper, so that she can make some money and go abroad. Now, basically, as this conversation continues, he is going to help her financially now, this is also where it gets awkward. Like you can hear in the dialogue that Zytek and the vice team are doing surveillance and listening in. Crockett is listening in on this conversation that the woman that he is falling in love with is having with a man that she has been involved with and is now asking him for help and. He uses this phrase that we all know what it means.
3: Remember Christine, the first rule of business? Be a friend. We can do better than that. And-
0: Okay, I wanted to include that spooky music at the end. Oh man, well, I said my notes say poor Crockett, but he put her up to this. So after the briefing at OCB, lots of great jewel tones in this scene as well. And so now we have the meeting again where Christine Tagaru, his goons, are going to meet with Crockett. Sorry, oh my God, I keep doing that, with Burnett and Cooper. Here is Cooper's accent. We can provide you with what you lack Legitimate business for your, let's
2: say, how shall I say this, uh, less than legitimate funds.
3: <laughs> Since you seem to be in a philosophical mood, I'd like to give you my thought for the day. It is unfortunate that our mutual friend neglected to enlighten me regarding her newly discovered love of the law. A lie is an ugly thing.
0: Uh Uh-oh, I guess you could just tell by like the way that Crockett and Christine were looking at each other, but he knows. Naturally, a giant shootout occurs, which is very sad because I'm seeing all these aquariums shot. And I don't think those are fake fish. I think those fish, they went through a lot of fish filming this scene, which is very sad. But we see the goon. So the goon, I, with, he has like a face piercing and was able to put like a rubber band in, which I just can't stop looking at. Like it's one of the, one of them is kind of like a rubber band is an earring. The other one is tying the beard together. But that's Lou Bono and he was in the mario brothers cartoon like it's just very funny how this is all working out but yes unfortunately a giant shootout occurs christine is actually the one to shoot Tagaru. and crockett is the one that threw the gun to her and she ended up coming out clutch in the end however this episode is not gonna end well let's go visit crockett fishing alone on the saint vitus dance We know what that usually means when we get a visit from Christine all decked out in
1: white. I wanted to say goodbye. I'm leaving the country.
3: Yeah,
2: you've been taking a little heat in the press lately. I don't blame
3: you. Yeah,
1: I still can't believe it. You know the newspaper that's been crucifying me? Well, the publisher was one of my biggest clients.
0: Oh, my God. Yes, this is so hypocritical. Like using her services happily. This is why they also know her business. But then to make themselves look good, they're going to throw her under the bus. She said that they're bastards, all of them. And then he kind of brings up, well, was he the biggest bastard of them all? And she agrees, but it's like very like lighthearted and then she brings up that the charges have been dropped. You held up your end. Super awkward silence. Ah, oh, and we end the episode with a freeze frame on Sonny's face, forlorn, sad and alone, looking down at the ocean as he's fishing as Christine bids him adieu. And the kiss is very sweet, but Sonny doesn't return it. Oh, man. Well, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll break down the episode. All right, let's get back into it. And let's start with some vice tea. And now Melanie Griffith, you will get your own episode, but for those of you who don't know, this is Don Johnson's two-time ex-wife. So they were actually divorced before this episode, before the 80s. So when Miami Vice started, he was living with Patty Darbinville, who was the mother of his son, Jesse. They broke up, I want to say around like 1985, 1986. So around the time of filming this 1987, we do not know who he was paired up with. She had married, had a child with Stephen Bauer. And I want to say around this time, they're all splitting up. I'm assuming that they hooked up on this episode, but They didn't officially get back together until late, early 1989, late 88. Basically, there's a little bit of overlap with Barbara Streisand. So, Dakota was born October 4th, I believe, 1989. So, if they were getting things back together early 1989, That makes a lot of sense. But she will get her own episode, if not multiple, because this woman's love life is so insane. And it's sad. She did have like a very rough childhood. Uh, She is the daughter of Tippi Hendren, who was an Alfred Hitchcock blonde and... She grew up with a lot of wealth. She grew up with lions and tigers, as has been documented on TV. She was injured and she does have a scar on her face from a lion. And some people say that that is kind of what started her on the plastic surgery train, which unfortunately has not... done justice to her look. She's very cute. She is very pretty. She's great and Working Girl, and I kind of consider this role to be like Working Girl, but like the dark side. (laughs) Working Girl is a great classic. Please go rent it. You got Harrison Ford, you got Sigourney Weaver, and you have Melody Griffith. But let's change gears a little bit. Let's talk about Vanity, a.k.a. Reverend Denise Matthews. She is also Canadian. She was born in Niagara Falls, Ontario in 1959. She actually applied Fly and competed in Miss Canada. She had moved to Toronto to be a model. And this is also when she appeared in some B horror movies under the name Dee Dee Winters. So when I looked her up, I looked her up with um Denise Matthews Toronto to see if, you know, there were any like photo shoots of her, interviews of her back in the day in Toronto that I could like pinpoint. And she was listed as Dee Dee Winters in the Pictures I could find from the Toronto Public Library archives, which I thought was super cool. She, again, beautiful and amazing to look at. We will also know her from her ex paramours. Again, Nikki Six, and I remember this because I remember she was writing back. I cannot remember if it was The Dirt or The Heroin Diaries because The Dirt was all the Motley Crue together. The Heroin Diaries is just Nikki Sixx and came out many years later that she basically responded to his stories. And at this time, she was named as Reverend Denise Matthews. And she talked about becoming a born again Christian and denied some stories of their prior drug use. But she was engaged to Nikki Six, and she also apparently dated Billy Idol. But of course, the most famous ex-boyfriend of all, that would be Prince, who she met backstage at an award show. And after she met Prince, you can see I put their Rolling Stone cover issue in the show notes as well to see how beautiful she was. It also makes sense because when you see her, you're like, she kind of looks like Apollonia from Purple Rain. She was supposed to be in Purple Rain. Apparently, they... Something happened. I don't know if they actually officially split before filming, but she dropped out of Purple Rain and she also was bailed out of jail by her sister's boyfriend, Eddie Murphy. So, what a life. Now it gets a little bit sadder. So, after she um, became sober and she became a born again Christian, she did a lot of damage to her kidneys because of her drug use and she required dialysis then she also got married to Raider tight end i want to say it's anthony smith i have this in my show notes they divorced after one year he was arrested for domestic violence after they split up and then he went on to be found guilty of three different murders yeah, and there was a lot of talk of her just being a little too generous to a fault after being born a Christian, you know, letting certain people inside the house, giving them money, and, you know, that doesn't bode well for any marriage. And apparently she married this guy within a year of meeting him so it was all very quick and you know she changed her life completely she's also been on the record saying that she threw out all of her old photographs and videos of her when she was vanity after she became a born-again christian but very interesting woman she does have an autobiography out i've never read it but i'm kind of a little bit curious now because i want to also hear about her growing up and especially like her with Prince and her with Nikki Six. Because I've only read that excerpt from the book. So very interesting. Beautiful woman. And she passed away, unfortunately, from issues with her kidneys in 2016. Rest in peace, Denise Matthews. Ah, before I forget, remember how I said my goons looked a little familiar? So our goons in this episode, we have Lou Albano, who is the guy with the elastics you may also know him from super mario brothers and then you have afa anoi i cannot pronounce it i'm so sorry but they're both wrestlers and it makes sense because you get to see like a little bit of their personality you can see that they're very animated in their movements you can tell that they have that training which i think is very interesting and then the society dame like that's how she put it, basically the lady whose house yacht that they had this party at, the one who thinks that murder is so much lower class. Her name is Veronica Cartwright, and she has a huge IMDb presence. Just going through it, I was like, oh, wow, she has been in everything and still working up until this day. Now let's break it down with some looks. Ah, Naturally, you cannot have anything that has anything to do with such a beautiful woman as Vanity Denise Matthews and not put her as number one. It was funny. I was reading this like old excerpt from Prince for basically like, you say that like, they fought all the time because she was the most beautiful in the world and she knew it and she just had that attitude. I'm like, yeah, I uh, understand 100%. She naturally is going to be my best dressed woman, but I'm going to put oh, this is tough. Okay, so I want to put Ali, aka Vanity, aka Denise Matthews, with the opening outfit with the long earrings, the sequin jacket, the sequin dress in the beginning. She just looks so beautiful. I'm going to put her as my best dressed woman. Second runner up, I'm going to put Christine in the white power suit saying farewell to Sunny after yeah, the charge was dropped. Then I'm going to do, instead of third place, best dressed women at the precinct where you have Trudy in all blue and Gina in all white Looking like a million bucks. And Gina is drinking something. It looks like how I take my liquid iron shots. So I just think that's very funny. I'm trying to figure out what she has in her hand. Now, Best Dressed Man. There are a lot of good looks this episode. I really liked Sunny and Rico at the party at the beginning. And I really like the textured suit. But I cannot get over how good Don Johnson looks in the very purpley-pink Henley with the gray jacket and the white pants. Furthermore, I could not get over this entire episode. How tan Don Johnson was and How pale Melanie Griffith is. And I understand like this man, he really embraces a filming location because he is eating up. He is drinking that Miami sun. This man is so tanned. I love it. Now, wild card. I have... A few different categories. Wild card is simply gonna go to our boy, Izzy Moreno, in the scene where he's dressed in the beret, the camera, the bolero, the like he looks like very equestrian, like he has like jawdpurs on. And then this is when he gets rushed by the bums and he complains about the beatballs. Oh my God. He just looks so ridiculous. I was like, this has to be my wild card. But I have also made a new category get ready it's called wild card accessories which is going to the women of the call center with the curlers in also with luabano with the rubber bands all over his face and also like rocking a face piercing before they were thing also wrestling and face piercing i hope he has did not have that hanging out that looks a little scary to do if i were wrestling at that time now let's wrap it up because i am way over time here with music now i am going to basically just throw out all the songs they actually provide for us because the winner of my heart comes as no surprise it's obviously going to be the ubiquitous use of Crockett's theme and also Crockett's return in the episode, which I cannot say no to. I love a Crockett centric episode. I love a Don Johnson directed Crockett in Crockett centered episode. Say that five times fast. Then a Don Johnson directed Crockett centered episode featuring Crockett's theme and Crockett's return. Other songs included 30,000 Feet by Broken Homes. That was at the beginning. That was the fun foreshadow of the toss over the balcony. Lovato by Bill Bergman. That was the jazzy song on the yacht. Split Decision by Steve Winwood. While, oh my God, they say make love. While Christine and Crockett as Burnett are getting it on while Allie is being gagged and killed by the goons. Then the last song, which I do like don't love but i like is holding back the years by simply red and i think that is like a very beautiful like parting song wednesday it's a breakup song but a parting song now it has come time how can i pick my favorite quote of this week because we have so many to choose from
2: i photograph beautiful women not meatballs
0: <laughs> okay okay let's let's get through this money's not made lying in the shade I like how the writers were like, you know what? I think Tubbs is too smooth. Let's just give him all the one-liners this episode. This, though, this did haunt me.
3: A lie is an ugly thing.
0: Oh, like, how do you choose? I I tried to pick quotes that all embody different feelings and spirits. I really wanted to add the murder so lower class, but I was like, oh, that meatball one's too funny. Oh, at the end of the day, I gotta go with my boy, Izzy.
2: I photograph beautiful women, not meatballs.
0: Oh man, very difficult to pick against George Takei, but I had to do it. I could not stop laughing at Izzy's delivery of that line. And I hope to save it to my soundboard to bring it out for future episodes. Speaking of episodes, as always, you can leave a five-star review on the Apple Podcast app. You can leave and answer questions on Spotify. And you can subscribe to me on all things social at Vice and Easy Podcast. Thank you again for telling your friends, for subscribing, for liking, for watching on YouTube. It all really means a lot. And I cannot wait to be back next week. And as we wrap up the end of season three, oh, time flies. Thank you, as always, for listening to Vice and Easy. And I'll see you next week, as always. Hey, man, Miami Wise is number one new show.